A reading from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. All the people gathered together into the square before the water gate. They told the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Accordingly, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could hear with understanding. This was on the first day of the seventh month. And Ezra read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped the, worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read from the book, from the law of God, with interpretation. They gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In my 23 years as a pastor, I have read scripture with many people, many times, in lots of different circumstances. In hospital rooms and funeral homes, at weddings and baptisms and anniversary celebrations, in quiet moments of prayer and counseling, in group studies and vacation Bible school and confirmation. We've held hands and read the comforting words of Psalm 23 or Paul's words in Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ or Jesus' reminder in the gospels that he is with us always to the end of the age. But not once, in a moment of deep grief or abundant joy at the birth of a baby or the blessing of a new home or the prayer of commendation at a graveside, not once has anyone ever taken my hand in their moment of need, leaned in and whispered, let's read from Nehemiah. And yet, here we are today in this book that most of us don't know well if we know it at all. And we're reading a scripture story about how the reading of the scripture story can be transformative 
in the middle of chaos and confusion. So maybe, although we might not have expected it, maybe today Nehemiah has come to take us by the hand and say, let's read from here. You may remember that the people of Israel spent many years in exile away from their homeland. This all started about 600 years before Jesus was born, when they were conquered by the Babylonian Empire. And many of the Israelites were taken away into Babylon, where they remained for about 50 years. During that time, some Israelites married into Babylonian families and, and built lives there. But in the year 539 BC, the Babylonians were defeated by the Persian Empire. And the Persian king told the Israelites they could go home. So many of them did. But when they returned home to Jerusalem, their city, they discovered there was barely anything to return to. The walls of the city had crumbled and the temple, which had once been the center of their community and their spiritual life, had been destroyed. The work ahead of them, just to get back to the baseline of what they had once considered normal, was daunting. Now back in Persia, a servant in the court of the king, this servant was an Israelite himself, hears about the return of the exiles and the project to rebuild Jerusalem. The servant is named Nehemiah. He asks the king for permission to return to the land of his ancestors and help restore the city. And the king agrees. So Nehemiah makes his way home, where he and a scribe named Ezra supervise the rebuilding of the temple and the walls of the city. The details of all of that, which are considerable, and the controversy around it, that's the content of the Old Testament books of Ezra and Nehemiah, from which we read. Now, we picked up the story today as some of this huge project has been completed. The temple and the walls of the city are finished, but there's still so much more to do. Just before our reading starts, the book tells us that the city was wide and large, but the people within it were few and no houses had been built. So even though two big important symbolic things are ready, the temple and the city walls, it turns out that this was just the beginning. At that moment, Right in the middle of a city still in ruins and the early stages of restoration, Ezra and Nehemiah gather the people at one of the gates of the city. And there they read scripture from the early morning until the middle of the day. And they do this publicly so that everybody can hear. This is one of the few places in scripture that specifically mentions that both men and women are invited. This is a really inclusive gathering. It's for anybody who's willing to listen and pay attention. So they read, and the people say, amen, amen. And the readers do their best to add a little interpretation so that the people understand. What this tells you, by the way, is that 
This is a sermon that lasts approximately four hours. So keep that in mind when you feel like Pastor Gina or I are running a little bit long. Could be worse. And then how do the people react? With joy? That their city is beginning to rise again? With hope? That the God who has been with them through defeat and exile and homecoming is with them now? With determination to keep at the work of rebuilding the lives that they had longed for all those years in exile, all those generations away? No, the people weep. We don't know why exactly the story doesn't say, but it's not too hard to imagine that maybe they weep in gratitude for having made it this far, or maybe in grief for everything they lost along the way. Maybe they weep at this longed for moment when they're together again, hearing the stories and the word of God, a little glimpse of the life they used to have. Maybe they weep in regret over the injustices of the sins of their society before the exile, which God warned them would have consequences, a warning that they largely ignored. And maybe they weep for all of it. The hope, the joy, the loss, the fear, on top of emotions they didn't even have names for. Maybe in these days we understand that moment better than we ever have. Maybe we know what it's like to stand in the ruins of a place we used to know, a life we used to recognize, with signs that things are being restored, but still so much work left in front of us. Maybe we know what it's like to hold the complexity of hope and sorrow and gratitude and grief and determination and exhaustion, not just in our own lives, but at a profound communal level that we've never known before. Maybe we know what it's like to be cut off from each other in our gathering places and the rush of emotion that comes when we are back together again, when we read the stories of God together again, when we sing and we pray together again. It's no accident that so many of us have cried the first time we came back into a sanctuary. But I wonder too if the people wept, not just from the emotions of that moment, but at the reality of what was in front of them. One writer says, perhaps the people gathered at this gate hear the word and suddenly realize that the halcyon days of King David are past. Maybe they finally understand that hard work and uncertain outcomes lay ahead. Maybe they know that there may be no return to normal after all. Maybe they fear that all they'll ever know from now on is insecurity and disappointment. That the moment they thought they had finally made it home turned out to be a beginning instead of an end. And it was just too much. Sound familiar? But God has been here before.
When the reading of scripture is finished and while the people are still weeping, Ezra and Nehemiah look around and they say, this day is holy to the Lord your God. This day. This day, when the mortar between the bricks of the wall is still drying and the temple is still dusty from construction. This day, when the homes that you once knew are still in rubble and you cannot imagine how much work it will be to put them back together. This day, when you are holding the hand of your neighbor but remembering all the people you lost while you were in exile who will not come back home again with you. This day. While you are uncertain, while you are weeping, while you are tired, while you are tending an ember of hope as small as a mustard seed, this day, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. I think this matters because so much of our energy and our hope, so much of our yearning and our hearts have been pointed at a day that is yet to come. We aim ourselves squarely at the future and we say things like, well, later, when the curve flattens or when this variant peaks or when hospitalizations decline or when we can take off our masks, or when we can sing together, or when we can pass the offering plate and have wine for communion together, or when we can go out to dinner again, then, then it will be holy, then we'll be okay, then things will be normal, then things will be fine, then we'll be home again. But right now, right now is just a big hot mess. In my heart of hearts, I am convinced that I really only ever preach one sermon with maybe a lot of variations, but <clears throat> it's really just one sermon. And the sermon is this, God is in the mess. God loves the hot mess. And what that means for today is that being in this mess does not mean that God has disappeared, abandoned us, left for greener pastures. For Nehemiah has come to take us by the hand and say, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not only mourn and weep, go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, and take note of this, send portions of those to whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God is with us as we stand in a landscape we do not recognize with all this rebuilding to be done. God knows our secret fear is that nothing will ever be the same again. God holds the grief and anxiety we have carried these years because God has been here before with God's people, standing at the edge of something new, wondering what on earth is going to happen. The good news is we do not have to know what on earth is going to happen in order to be part of what God is doing on earth. God does not wait for us to be ready, for normal to come back, for things to settle down, for safety and prosperity and peace. 
God was with the people in their exile. God was with them on the long road home. God is with them as they stand in their hope and their uncertainty and their great big mess. And God says to us all at the city gates, this day, this day is holy. This day is the one to read the stories and feast at the table God sets and feed those for whom nothing has been prepared. There's no need to wait. This day is holy, just as it is. For this day, one more time, God is with us for good. Thanks be to God. Amen.